Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The culture is the culture. It's four to six A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. The plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to 4 to 6 with A&B, your Ohio State podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This is Bill Landis, pleased to be reunited with my best friend in the whole wide world, Ari Wasserman, looking sun-kissed, fresh off the boat from California. Ari, how you doing? Uh, good. Uh, did you actually miss me? Because the show without me was a little bit too good for my comfort. I was hoping it would kind of take a step back a little bit, but I really enjoyed listening to you and Nick Baumgartner. Yeah, you know, it was a good show. It wasn't, it wasn't quite the same. Um, I, I very much enjoyed talking with Nick. I want to get him back on the show at some point. I think we need to get you and him uh, screaming at each other about Michigan recruiting sometime. Um, but it was nice to have him on in your, in your place. So you're telling me that we shouldn't just record the next time me and him are in a bar together screaming at each other about whether or not Michigan could ever be Ohio State? Because I think that'd be the best episode we've ever done. No, we, we absolutely should do that. Um, and like you know, I think we're trending we're trending back toward being around each other again. So I don't know, you know, I don't know if you're going to be up at Big Ten Media Days or not. Maybe we can do something then. Just get the two of you in a room, a little bit of liquor, close the doors, turn the mics on. Just like I'll, I'll throw a ball up in the air and say Jim Harbaugh recruiting, and then you guys can just kind of bat it around for a little bit. I'm going to tell my fiance that I'm coming to Chicago for Big Ten Media Days, but I'm only going for pizza and, and uh, fun times afterward. Because those were, yeah. I always had fun at Big Ten Media Day, and I never felt like I got that much information. The best part about it was going out after. So maybe I'll just yeah, come out yeah, for, the, the meal, for the fun. The meals and the beers, yeah. Which is probably, honestly, it's the best part of any road trip. It's like, whatever, the games are fine. The games are fun. I like talking yeah. to people and watching football, but it's like, where are we eating? You know what I mean? That's all that matters. Rename the podcast The Meals and the Beers. <laughs> meals and the beers with Bill and Ari. Actually, or just uh, the meals. Let me, let me write that down. The meals. Uh, a little bit of a slow time right now with Ohio State uh, recruiting camps are around the corner. It'll pick up a little bit then, but since it's a little slower, we figured we'd do a mailbag show. So we got a ton of questions via the email four to six ab at gmail dot com. Took a couple from Twitter um, as well. Quickly before we get to them, one piece of news that did drop on Wednesday: Gene Smith, athletic director at Ohio State, is getting a contract extension. Uh, until 2026, comes with a pay bump. Uh, I'll be making more than $2 million a year. Uh, I don't know where that ranks among other ADs, but I imagine it's pretty up, pretty high up there, and it's about a half-million-dollar raise from where he was before. So shout-out to Gene. Hit the Venmo. You know where it's at. Uh, are you ready to get to the questions, Ari? 
crypto's down like 900% in three hours, so you need Gene to get that Venmo over there so you can get your money into that <laughs> digital digital That's right. casino of yours, you know? Yeah. How am I supposed but to yeah, I'm ready for questions. money to order, you know what I mean? Yeah, all right, let's do yeah, it. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. First question is from Kyle Roberts. Send it through the email, 4to6ab at gmail.com. He said, is it crazy to think Ohio State won't lose another Big Ten game for the next couple of years? In 2019, they won every Big Ten game by double digits, and truthfully, 2020 was wild, but they outclassed everyone, and the gap is getting wider. Is 2023-2024 the next time Ohio State will lose a Big Ten game? I don't know if you've been paying attention to the way the recruiting rankings have been going, uh, Landis. I'm pretty sure you have been. I have been. If things keep going the way that they're going as we sit here right now, 24 and 25 and 23 and 24 are going to be even bigger than they are right now. So the fact of the matter is, is that Ohio State is not going to be an underdog in any single regular season Big Ten game between now and 2025, unless something crazy happens. But I can't foresee why they would be an underdog. Um, But let me ask you this question. When's the last time Ohio State lost a regular season Big Ten game and it wasn't a surprise? Hmm. 2011, I guess, right? That's what I would think, right? Yeah. So, like, I think that when you say, is it crazy to think Ohio State won't lose another game in the Big Ten? I think that you should think that. But if they don't, it'll be because they were shocked again in some way. And that's what we love about college football. The best teams don't win 100% of the time, and upsets happen, and Iowa's happen, and Purdue's happen, and things happen. But right now... I don't know where I would pick them to lose. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if Penn State is built up. You know, it'd be easy to like look at the Michigan, the Penn State, the Wisconsin, whatever matchups that they have against the other tough teams in the conference. But all those teams are kind of in a transitional period to some extent, some some greater than others. But right now, I don't think it's crazy to think that. The only thing that I will say is you can't predict the crazy from happening the other way. Yeah, it's hard. Like they play Purdue this year, but it's at home. It's not in West Lafayette where things tend to get a little wonky on them. Um, I think Indiana is interesting. I think they're a team that keeps getting better. Always seems to play Ohio State tough. Like if Indiana jumped up one year and got Ohio State, I wouldn't be shocked by that. But I would never predict it to happen. Yeah, um, Landis bought Indiana stock before you bought Doge. Let me tell you, that's right. To the moon, baby. The Sam McCullough, Stephen Carr. We're going to the moon. Go Hoosiers. Uh, here's another way I want to spin this question to you. So Ohio State has won 19 consecutive Big Ten games um, going back to the 2018 Purdue game that's not including the conference championship games. It's the third longest winning streak in Big Ten history. The longest winning streak in Big Ten history also belongs to Ohio State. Shocker. They won 30 consecutive Big Ten games from whenever Meyer got here in 2012 until the 2015 Michigan State game. They're at 19 right now. Do you think they get to 30? And that doesn't include conference. Not that they would. I would think they would lose a conference championship game, but I I do right now think that they will. Get the 30? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not in the business of predicting a Purdue-type loss. So, like, if that happens, then we'll talk about how crazy it it was when that happened. But, like, the way things are happening right now, the way these rosters are constructed, the direction that Ohio State's headed, and the direction of other programs that kind of – I mean, because that that loss to Michigan State was a loss to a playoff team. You know, even though that was a surprise in the moment, that team still went to the playoff. So, like, I don't know what other teams right now in the Big Ten are as good as that Michigan State team was in 2015. So, you know, I think upsets, you know, happen, but they're less likely to happen than losing a, t- a game against a tough team, obviously. And there are no other teams that scare me if I'm an Ohio State fan. So, like, I do think that they'll get to that point. Okay, here's another one for you. I think do I you? have I – th- no, I, I, I 
Yeah, I think I would. I think I think I'll say they get the thirty because I don't. It's weird. Like I don't think the the Big Ten stunk when Urban got here, but like by twenty fifteen, it was like on the up a little bit. I think. I guess it's better now. It's better now than it was then. The bottom of the Big Ten is better now than it was then. The top. I mean, of the I guess Big if they're 10, not going to get there, it's this year, right? Like new quarterback. That's the whole thing. Right. You'd maybe drop one this year. But, but we're talking like, about a team that has like the third best odds to win the national championship still. Yeah. And I don't like even looking at next year's schedule, it's like they play Michigan State and Penn State up on the road back to back early and at the end of September, beginning of October. Like, I don't know. Maybe that's tricky enough. Got to go to Beaver Stadium. Maybe. You know, Ohio State hasn't lost a game like that that you predict in July or May or June. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, they don't lose those games. It's the crazy ones that they end up losing. Yeah. They, I mean, they've lost at Beaver Stadium. Um, in recent history and, and certainly in the And when past. they lost in Beaver Stadium in recent history, that was the team that won the Big Ten, right? Uh, 2016 it was, and was it the time yes. before that, 2005? Was it the last time before that? They, they lose, did they lose their – I yeah. think they lost there in 2011. Or no, they won in 2011. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, think that's yeah, right. I, I mean, think you're right. Yeah. I'm not trying to say, like, those things don't happen. They happen all the time. But – it's really hard to predict them, especially now, because like I don't look at Penn State, Michigan, or Michigan State as teams that are really threatening to Ohio State at the moment. Yeah, neither do I. Okay, so here's another one. Take it to the extreme. I believe the record, the college football record for most consecutive conference wins is 45. I saw 44, then I counted it myself, and I got to 45. So we'll just say 45 by Oklahoma in the Big Seven in the 1950s. Will Ohio State um, break that record? <laughs> I, don't, I would say no. Yeah, I'd say I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, if you say yes, you're a homer. So, like, I mean, right, it's just, right. <laughs> I mean, there's no, I think, I mean, what I do think mean? they'll you lose. Blindly, yes. I'm, I'm predicting <laughs> Ohio State sometime. to go undefeated in 2024. Like, yeah, I don't know. I think they'll lose uh, a game or a game in the next three years. Yeah. Let me say it as diplomatically as I can. I would not be, like, falling out of my sh- chair shocked if it happened. I wouldn't either. I don't know. If, like, Maybe I would be because that's a long time from now, right? And then if this, like, I do think the gap is widening, and it just there's just nothing anyone else in the Big Ten can do about it, and it just keeps getting wider. Then that happens. I might be a little surprised by that. So it's it's that's three more years of consecutive perfect conference slate games, right? Basically, yeah. So you know, I don't know. Predict we we won't know who the quarterback in 2025 is right now. So how are we can tell you if they're going to go undefeated? Arch Manning, baby, let's go. <laughs> I, uh, I I really 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 want to go to New Orleans and talk to that kid. If you're going, let me know. I'll hop in. I'll fly down yeah. to Dallas. We'll hop in the car. We'll go yeah. get some black and a gator. It'll be great. Yeah. All right. Next question from Josh Davidson on Twitter says: With the Buckeyes not landing Henry Toa Toa, who's going to Alabama, by the way, do you think they target another linebacker in the transfer portal? And I promised Ari that I would say this person's name so that he wouldn't have to. Uh, yeah, I think they are, and I think that person is Pallier Ngatiote, who Pallier is... Ngatiote. Yeah, and I'm probably even butchering that, too, but uh, former USC linebacker, former five-star prospect, Bishop Gorman product. Um, when he went into the portal, I think a lot of people thought Ohio State would be the place, and then, like, Henry Toa Toa became available, and he's a better player. So if you can add Toa Toa, you, you prioritize him for sure. Um, now it sounds like... Ngatiote was supposed to go to Texas, and now maybe that's not going to happen. And I think there's a decent shot he ends up at Ohio State. Yeah, I think that you should. You you had a story that you were working on in case that Toa Toa ended up at Ohio I State. Did. I think that you should, you know, maybe put a little bit of perspective on like a how big of a loss is that? How shocked are you with that? And you know, how much does another transfer help? 
I think it, I think they're very different situations. Like Toa Toa is a potential All American. He was a freshman All American uh, two years ago at Tennessee. Um, and I, I do think that Ohio State could use another linebacker, but but he was another level. This was like he becomes maybe the you know he's like a top three defensive player on your team if you add him. He's your best linebacker if you add him. If you add Ngatiote, like he's I don't think he's your best linebacker. Maybe he has the potential to be because he's a former five star prospect, but he's had some injury issues. I don't think he's been quite the same player since those injury issues. He's a different kind of player than Henry Toa Toa. Um, Henry, I think, is like a no doubt about it, three down or every down linebacker. Um, you can put him in the middle of your defense, put him at will, um, and, and he can run, and he's kind of an explosive player. He's got a little flash to him. Um, and Gatiote is more of like a like a big sort of traditional kind of I guess like a will linebacker, like kind of in the mold of like Malik Harrison or Baron Browning, just like a bigger, longer kind of guy than more bigger, bigger, longer guy than, than Henry Toto is. So it's not the same kind of impact. It's not to say they couldn't use an experienced player in that room. And maybe if you're not going to have Mitchell Melton for the entire season, which could be the case, there's like a similar kind of body type there with Ngatiote. Maybe he can just fill in whatever you thought Mitchell Melton was going to be this year if he was healthy and do so as a more experienced player. But like Henry would have been like a major, major splash that I think would have made me rethink a little bit the ceiling or definitely would have made me rethink the ceiling for Ohio State's defense. And Gatiote wouldn't be that, but I think he's still a good player. Yeah, I think that's a good summary uh, because I, I do think that Ohio State's in a – like are, they don't feel like or do you feel like they're in a position where they need a starter? Or do you think that if they get no transfers that they're in trouble there? I don't think they're in trouble if they get no transfers. I understand why they want one um, because they're light on bodies – they play in the Big Ten, and for as much as they want to be like this four-two-five, whatever, with the bullet, I think there are going to be some games where you have to play with three like real linebackers on the field, and those numbers aren't great. Um, but I think they'd be okay if they didn't add one. Um, and Henry Toa Toa was like, he's the kind of guy that's just like, if if that kind of guy's available, you make space for him, really, even if you don't need him. Um, he's that good. Uh, and Gatiote, I don't think is quite that level, but I get it. It's, it would be interesting if they add him, like the ripple effect of that. Because I, I I would imagine the guys already in the Ohio State linebacker room are looking at it saying they don't need to add anybody, but and I think there's a solid argument for that. But I don't know. It seems like Ohio State feels pretty adamantly they need to add somebody because they've they've switched their priorities here to go from Henry to to Pallier and I don't know. It looks like they're going to get them. Yeah, and it seems like it's just kind of an interesting world now where we're walking into this transfer uh, era, and it's just like I wonder how often this is going to begin to happen because. And this might actually be a good story idea for you. And I, I always come up with these story ideas when we're on there, and then you probably just think, I don't need your help, dude. But he's got his pen out. He's ready to go. But when Ohio State recruits at a certain level that they're recruiting right now, we're talking about the top 100 players in the country, you know, and players around that atmosphere. If the trend becomes um, that so you can go back and – rekindle previous relationships with players once they've chosen somewhere else, then I wonder how much that will impact Ohio State's success moving forward in the portal. Because I remember covering this recruitment very well. I mean, if you go and you Google his name and and Ari Wasserman and Bill Landis, I bet you there'll be like 25 different stories from Cleveland.com that come up from that, right? And like, it's no shock to me that they have relationships with his family. He's very familiar with Ohio State. He almost chose Ohio State at the moment. Um, He is, I believe, pretty good friends with Haskell Garrett, right? Yes, so, like, yep. the the idea of relationships built in high school, like, I wonder if there will be more interest sustained 
and players from fans and coaches when those players are close but choose somewhere else. You know, and like what kind of advantage it yeah. could be to with the misses that otherwise in the old days when Ohio State finished second place, fan interest immediately cut off 100%. I wonder if there's going to be a new trend in three or four years of like all the players that Ohio State missed um, on the 2019 or the 2020 class who, you know, went other places or things didn't go the same way when they need help can go. Does that make sense? It does. And it kind of happened already with Antoine Jackson. Like Ohio State was was all over him in 2016 and probably finished second in his recruitment to Auburn. He goes to Auburn, doesn't work out. He transfers, goes JUCO, and then comes back to Ohio State. And and I think that matters a lot. I, I think it happened with Henry Toto in Alabama. He picked Tennessee over Alabama coming out initially. Jamison Williams picked Ohio State over Alabama initially. Now he's going going to Bama. I think I think that matters a ton. Um, yeah. It's it's familiarity, like relationships, like a kind of a general understanding of the player. It's like uh, it's like with all the jokes we were making about with Urban Meyer and drafting guys that he recruited. You know what I mean? It's kind of the same idea. I think it's going to matter. Like, I guess over time, no, I was going to say like over time that fades away for Urban. I don't think that ever goes away at the college level, right? You, if you recruit a guy, you don't get him. Two years later, you might get him via transfer. And I think that yeah. in some some way that's probably in the back of the mind of a lot of these coaches. I think the argument has to be made too that. If you're looking for a transfer three years into their career later, then that means that things probably nine times out of ten didn't go the way that they hoped it would. Mm-hmm. But now with this one-time transfer rule, you might have more Jamison Williams Williams situations, right? Like where you go to a place, you're still a very good player, things didn't work out on the depth chart the way that you would. Because, like, let's be honest, if Ohio State miss, misses on a guy who chooses Alabama, the same thing could happen there that happened to Jamison Williams. But For sure. Also, you don't want to make too much of a habit where you because you can't build your team around third year transfers that you missed in the recruiting process because if they're transferring, that means they probably didn't wind up being what their ranking promised. So, like, there's kind of like a middle ground there where it's like it, it will be helpful, but you can't rely on it. It makes me wonder about that situation. We're spending a lot of time on this, I guess, but like whether that situation could be more beneficial to smaller programs like. Rutgers just tries its ass off to get some four-star prospect out of New Jersey, get him to stay home, and, and that kid, for whatever reason, decides he's going to go to you know Ohio State, wherever, Florida. And two years later, that kid's not getting on the field of Florida, and Rutgers is like, come home, baby. Like this is, I think that kind of stuff is, could really be beneficial to those programs. I mean, this is the entire plan of Group of Five programs. Like yeah. I, when I first moved to Dallas, like I went to um, and wrote a big story on SMU's recruiting goal, and their goal is to take the best players out of Dallas that they can take. And then they attack the portal from Dallas natives who left the state. So, like, if a Dallas native goes to LSU or goes to Florida or, and they aren't playing, then you're seeing these guys come back to, to Dallas. And they've made really good football teams doing it. So, like, in a place like like Rutgers comes to mind, Missouri comes to mind, you know, like mm-hmm. places that are in areas where they can't convert as well. I mean, maybe even Penn State to a certain extent. You know, I don't know. You know, it, it seems like – this is a whole new level of recruiting and how it's going to work. And like, if you can't keep kids home now, then I wonder if keeping kids home on the secondary market is going to become an emphasis. I mean, it's all, it's all brand new stuff that we're still learning as it goes, but you know, I think you can predict trends and I feel like that might be one. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily with 24 seven us based live customer service from discover Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. An email from Ty from Austin. He says, put on your crystal ball hat or crystal ball, whatever. Pull out your crystal ball. In the year 2025, what state besides Ohio will be more important to Ohio State? And this is in recruiting, obviously. Pennsylvania, Texas, Florida, California, or other, and why? And some examples he gives are like declining Penn State, Texas coming up and and keeping more kids home in the future. That was an interesting question. It's an interesting premise. I, I always find it fascinating where Ohio State goes. So, what do you this think is besides all Ohio too? Because yeah, changes. yeah, it it's all changes. Question, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, what do you what do you think of this one? I'm already going to take California and Florida out. Um, I think those are two like California is too far away, and they'll get their kids here and there from there, but that's never going to be their main emphasis. Mm-hmm. And I think Florida, with Alabama now concentrating very much so in Florida, uh, not that they haven't always, but you no, know, really murdering them down there. Like Alabama, I think is the reason for the decline of the major three Florida schools just by themselves. It's just a very competitive, tough place to recruit. And I know that even Urban Meyer, who won national championships at Florida, doesn't like recruiting that state. Like, it's just a tough thing to do. Yeah. Um, so, like, you have two that are left of the choices that he gave in, in Pennsylvania and Texas. And I think both are very, very unique um, for, you know, different reasons. Like, one, Pennsylvania, I think, will always be more important because there's a Big Ten East rival situated in there. And every single time Ohio State offers a prospect – or lands a prospect like Julian Fleming or the kid they just uh, Danny uh, what's his name they just offered a a, a kid from like the uh, Maryland uh, oh yeah yeah Danny Sutton I think is his name defensive uh, end he's got a hyphenated last name yeah um, you're hurting your rival and that's important but at the same time too it's like even if Texas starts keeping more kids home. I hope people realize that they've been keeping a lot of kids home already. Like, Texas hasn't been a disaster in recruiting. And, yes, you've got Texas and Texas A&M, um, and you have Alabama and Texas, and you have Oklahoma, and every everybody's in Texas. But the sure amount of talent in the state of Texas is enough to sustain multiple programs. So, like, to me, I don't even know if I would say Pennsylvania is a main emphasis in their recruiting plan right now. I think that they, they dip their toe in when there's somebody to dip it in for. But they're not, like, sitting there – with a with a map of Pennsylvania up on their wall saying like how can we get into this state and kill it like I think it's just kind of like something that happens by happenstance yeah so like to me like my answer would be Texas because a they've done a very good job in Texas they've continued that through this year's class in 2022 and just despite the ebbs and flows of what's going on with the Big 12 programs in the surrounding area like as LSU is in here everybody's in Texas I think that that's a longer sustainable thing so that's who I, I would pick I would just pick Texas just based on the sheer amount of talent that's in the state. Danny Dennis Sutton is the kid. Yeah, Danny Dennis Sutton. Yeah. Sorry, I, there's so many names, from, from especially Owens now Mills. in the national role. It's kind of hard to remember everybody off the top of your head. But, like, that's a really, really important player for Penn State. And I know he's not a Pennsylvania prospect, but, like, he is, like, in that area and is, like, their number one target on their board. And now, like, he tweets out an Ohio State offer and just like, oh, God, here we go again. He is, he is from, like, to, to 
keep it on this kind of question. Like Pennsylvania is most important for Penn State. Number two to Penn State is like is Maryland. Is a DMV. It like, kind of always has been, or at least in the last 20, 30 years. And that's where that gets from. Um, so yeah, that's a big deal for Penn State. I think of of the states that Ty listed, I think I would agree with you and say Texas. There's just not enough kids in Pennsylvania year over year to to have it be the the number two state all the time. Um, and I agree. Florida's tough and California is, is pretty far away, too far away. Um, he also said other, and I was like, I wanted to pull up some of this stuff. And there was a really good article I found by um, Andy Witchery wrote this. And it was, I think, about a year ago, comparing population shifts and, and the correlation between that population increase and, and the increase in top 100 football prospects. And like Nevada has exploded. Nevada had the biggest um, population increase in the last sentence, census not the most recent one that just got finished. And it had a 700% increase in top 100 prospects coming out of the state. Arizona had a huge population boom and it had a 167 recruiting increase, hundred 167% increase in top 100 prospects coming out of that state. It's like Arizona is interesting to me because there are already a ton of transplants from Ohio there anyway. So if people are moving there from Ohio and then having kids and those kids grow up and want to be Buckeyes, um, I think Arizona could become one. And, but I actually think my answer to this question is probably Georgia, because Georgia's always going to have kids. It's not that far from Ohio. I think people forget sometimes just how close, like Columbus to Atlanta is like a seven-hour drive. It's not that far. Um, I think Georgia. I don't think it, maybe it's not there yet, but I think it will soon become the second most important state to Ohio behind Ohio, and probably in a lot of years the most important state to Ohio, to Ohio State. Send me the link to that story because I'd like to read it. The thing that I have a hard time with sometimes. Uh, with those stories and you have to equate this into the data is like a 700% increase in Nevada of top 100 prospects might just mean that there's like four instead of whatever, like there's just not that many players there. Sure. Yeah. And the thing I wonder too, is how much of that is just players transferring to play at Gorman. You know, it's like not certain- just that it's like, okay. there's not it like, I think that's some of it for sure. But I also like Hender. I think like Henderson, Nevada is like, is like exploding. Like it's for outside of Vegas, right? Like I think a lot of yeah. people are moving there. Yeah. I want to live there one day. Yeah. That'd be great. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's certainly population shifts too. And here's another one, uh, Nashville, um, in Tennessee is, is, is really booming as well. And, you know, the, the entire population shift and, you know, there was an interesting story I think that you told me to, to pursue and I have never done this, but maybe I will, but like how hurricane Katrina relocated a bunch of families like into Texas. And then a lot of them moved up into Tennessee and in some of the areas because of the devastation of their area. And like the, results of like the relocation of thousands and thousands of families as a result of that disaster now has shifted like where the population has moved and and in turn has had a drastic impact on where the prospects live and i think louisiana or lsu has done a pretty good job of maintaining relationships with kids who are originally from louisiana and i I think that they've been able to overcome that uh, because louisiana is absolutely loaded for talent but like i'm just very curious of like of all the transplants that left um left Louisiana where they ended up right now and like how that's had an impact on some of the population shifts in other cities in the South. Cause like Nashville is like one of the largest booming cities in the country right now. And it's just like, is Tennessee going to be a top 10 program again, or is just going to be like Nashville, Ohio state central? Like, cause like, that's like a, that's like a huge thing to, so, you know, but I think 2025 is just too close to like have alt, like wholesale changes to your, to your plan. Like, I think like if the, the question for like, what do you think it'll be in 2030 would be a very interesting discussion. Cause it's like, Cause like I moved from out of state, my dad was born in Ohio and he moved to Arizona and I grew up and lived in Arizona my whole life. And it's just like, 
there are more and more families doing that, which means like there's going to be more and more teenagers. But all of my friends growing up, none of them were from Ohio. But it's just like I don't think that Arizona, the state, even though there's a much, there's enough talent in that area to bolster like Arizona State's resurgence or USC or, or teams that are coming in there, and like there's been a ton of quarterback prospects, there just isn't a sheer number of top 100 prospects in that state to sustain Ohio State as a secondary market from that far away. Yeah, I think that's probably right. That's why that's why I like Georgia so much because it's a it's a car ride away, or at least it can be. And Georgia's there for the taking ride. too, because like even though Georgia's like killing it and recruiting right now, like there are too many players. Like Georgia is, um, to Georgia what Ohio State is to Ohio, and like I don't know everybody else. Unlike Ohio is in Georgia too. Like Alabama's in Georgia. Everybody's in Georgia. The thing that I think is the most fascinating, and now that I'm like looking at this from like a national level. People don't attack Ohio the same way that teams attack Georgia, you know? It's just like, and I don't know if, like, Atlanta is just such an important, like, metropolitan area, and that might, just might just be the answer, but it's just like Ohio State has done the best job of keeping people out. Well, there's just, they have they have less to protect, too, I think. There's just, like, in Georgia this year, like, there are four, four, four or five-star prospects. Um, yeah, I don't know the last time that's happened in Ohio. There's yeah, less to protect is important because even if Georgia gets their fair share of prospects, there's still 100 other players that are in the top 500 in their state probably. There are 30, 32 top 400 players, almost 40 top 500 players. And but Georgia like, might only take 11. Yeah, right. I mean, there are – my goodness, there's a lot of players in this yeah. state. I'm just scrolling through this list. I'm it's, down. Like a, it's, a, it's a crime to humanity that Georgia hasn't won a national title. I'm down to the top 100 players in Georgia, and I'm still on three-star prospects. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah. So, um, all That was right, a good question. It was a good question, yeah. Okay, let's move on to a couple questions from our friend Tyler Shoemaker on Twitter. Uh, the first one was, over-under on the number of pub subs you could eat in a weekend trip. Pub subs, a reminder, are the delectable sandwiches you can get from Publix grocery stores down in, in Florida, mostly. Weekend trip, three days. I'm eating at least one per day. Uh, how many could you eat and how many would you eat are different how many could I eat is like 10 how many would <laughs> yeah. I eat how many would I eat um, I think I could get the four I think I could have one a day for lunch and then one of those days I would probably have one for dinner as well when I flew to uh, Florida to pick up this engagement ring to evade taxes <laughs> I didn't have even one and I regret that because I ate at Wawa four times in two days I mean I'm not gonna I'm not going to knock you for that. I mean, if, we, if the problem with Wawa is like we're we're never near it. So and and for me, there's much more of a personal connection there. So I get that. I probably do the same. I wasn't near any Wawas when I was on. I stayed on the Panhandle between the Sugar Bowl and the National Championship in Panama City Beach, and there was a Publix. I don't know four minutes from the hotel I was staying in. I was there all week, so I was there like six days. Um, I think I had four pub subs. I don't think, and I'm going to tell you the truth here. I've ever had one. They're pretty good. I would highly suggest seeking one out the next time you're in Florida. Yeah. Chicken tender sub. Mark Cuban pen. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> write that down. Uh, the second question from Tyler was, would it be a surprise for Ohio Stadium to not be at full capacity in September? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, like, Ohio is lifting its health restrictions June 2nd. The Reds have already said they're going to have a full ballpark uh, on that day. And imagine the Indians are going to do the same. Uh, the crew, I'm sure, will have a full stadium by the middle of the summer. So I guess, like, barring anything wild and, like, a serious uptick in, in COVID cases or whatever, 
Um, I would be very, very surprised if Ohio Stadium is not full in September. Ohio State has not said as much. Gene Smith just keeps saying they're hopeful for it. They're going to work with local um, health officials and within local health orders to do so, but I don't see why any of that would prevent them from having a full stadium in September when they play Oregon. So that's what I'm expecting. Uh, let's do... I'm going to skip that block O one for now. Let's do this one here from Brandon L. Do you think the recruitment of Will Johnson is a closed door? And this goes back to some of what Nick and I talked about last week. Uh, I was just thinking if Michigan has a rough year, which is very possible and likely, would they fire Harbaugh, causing Michigan to get a whole new staff? If they get a whole new staff, could he flip his commitment last minute to the Buckeyes, the team he originally wanted to commit to? There's no such thing as a closed door in recruitments until the pen hits paper, in my opinion. And I think that that would be a very likely scenario if that happened. You know, I, I, yeah. I don't know. Like, do you think it's – is it possible? I think it's pretty possible. Yeah. I think Kerry Combs did a pretty good job in short order positioning Ohio State in a good spot for Will Johnson, and then he just he, he picked the the emotional school, like the school that he grew up rooting for, the school that his dad went to. Like, I get all that. Um, but if Michigan stinks, which is possible – then, yeah, I very much think Ohio State can keep that door open. I expect them to kind of try to keep that warm throughout the year and maybe try to flip him late. Um, so, no, I don't think the door is closed. Even, I mean, I'm sure Will Johnson will say and do all the right things, but when it comes time to sign and Michigan's not very good, and especially if Jim Harbaugh gets fired, like they're, they're that bad, um, then, yeah, I think they could. They did keep him. Mo Linguist, their defensive coordinator, left sort of surprisingly to go take the Buffalo head coaching job, and, and Michigan seemed to handle that particularly well with, with Will Johnson. So it was a good job job by them there. But, like, more staff shakeup and Jim Harbaugh losing his job, I think absolutely opens the door for Ohio State to get yep. him. Uh, let's say on that topic, and I'm jumping around. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm already deviating from our script. Carl on Twitter asked if Jim Harbaugh has already coached his last game against Ohio State. No. No, I don't think so either. Like, I get the premise. And Nick Nick did say something last week. I presented that hypothetical to him that we talked about, like, what if Jim Harbaugh goes, like, 6-6 six and six with beats Ohio State? And he said if they have six losses by the time they get to Ohio State, he might not have his job, um, which is interesting to hear him say that. But I just see a heart – like, looking at their schedule, I don't really see a path to Michigan, like, somehow getting to, like, six or seven losses before it would play Ohio State. So I think the answer to that question is no. I also don't know like what the I don't understand what the ben, is the benefit of co- of firing your coach in November to give him up the new one a head start before December. Yeah, is that like is that the whole thing? You know, it's just uh, Michigan hasn't struck me as a place that seems to want to do things that rash to emphasize recruiting. So like I don't know if if I would buy he would be fired in the middle of the year regardless. I don't buy it either. It's fun. It's uh, I don't think it's impossible. But I, my answer to that question is no, he's not coach's last game. Um, all right, next question is uh, from a young man named Michael Stinkhole. Michael Stink. His friends call him Milky. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. His friends call him Milky. Guy owes me five bucks. Now that Georgia has signed into law a bill that allows athletes to get paid for their endorsements or likenesses, but have given the schools the power to redistribute 75% of that income to any player it wishes, do you foresee this killing schools like Georgia's ability to recruit top talent? who would otherwise make 100% of their endorsements at a place like, say, USC. Uh, if they were going to do that, yeah, but Georgia's not doing it. Uh, the, the law allows schools in Georgia to do that, to like pull the money and redistribute it, which is incredibly stupid. Um, but UGA has already said they're not doing that. So good on them for being smart about it because that would be a major pain in the ass for them. <laughs> Here's the one thing that I can say 
in a world where NIL is still kind of in the infant stages and the thoughts and the, you know, discussions about what things could and will look like in the future, here's the one thing I can unequivocally say, Bill. No matter how this all pans out, everybody in college football is going to get to play by the same rules. Because the sport can't exist if it doesn't. So, I'm glad you said that. So, July 1st, there are five states that have their NLI books or NLI laws get enacted. Um, Georgia, Florida, Alabama, New Mexico, and Mississippi. Well, athletes in those states will be able to benefit from their name, image, and likeness beginning on July 1st. Um, and the NCAA is not going to stop them. At least they haven't said anything yet. No one else is going to be able to do that. And it doesn't look like there's any federal law coming before then either. So what what makes you confident in, in the idea that everyone's going to be on the same playing field? I think that it's possible that when and if that happens, there will be a rash change immediately. Like from the NCAA? Yeah. or yeah. I think they're going to have to. I mean, yeah. they, what are you going to do? Let five programs pay right. their players for endorsements and then everybody else not? Like it's the same thing that I was saying like when I was freaking out about like uh, the cancellation of the season for COVID. It's like what you think they're going to let – you know, X set of teams from three different conferences play by different recruiting calendars and the other teams that don't have any games. Like, it, it just doesn't work. So I don't know how it's all going to pan out, and I don't know exactly what time it's going to happen. And even if it goes a few months with certain teams playing by the – so is the Ole Miss going to have the number one class in the country then for <laughs> three months while they don't, like, let players from Alabama cash in? Like, I don't know what, what the, the, the actual – timeline is going to be but i know that when it's all said and done and the dust settles that everybody will have the same rules and everybody will have to play by the same type of parameters because the sport doesn't work if it doesn't work that way i tend to agree with you but it is like if i'm an ohio state fan or i'm working for ohio state like i'm a little nervous about this right because there's nothing on the books in ohio like ohio's done nothing anthony gonzalez is trying to get a, a bill through congress but it's not going to be through by july 1st um, Ohio State is not really pushing, as far as I can tell, for this. Um, I think the only thing Gene Smith has really said about it on the record is that he would like to see a federal mandate in place and not have it be state by state, which makes sense. I think a lot of people are in that boat. Which is exactly like what I'm saying, right? But for the no, well, you're yes and no. He's talking about like federal law, not necessarily NCAA legislation. No, um, I know, but federal law allowing it to happen so it, it oversees that, everybody. Yeah, but that's not going to happen in July. No, 4th. I know, but I think the NCAA would alter their rules in order to accommodate it. Well, that's what they're going to. That's what I'm saying. That's what they're going to have to do. If they, right. and if they don't, like, just for a second, like imagining yourself being Ohio State in a world where Georgia, Florida, and Alabama are allowed to push NIL and recruiting, and Ohio sitting there with its thumb off its ass, not doing anything. Yeah, like, oh, that's, well, a bad, that's a bad. That's a bad situation. Title this year. That's like, a bad I mean, situation. <laughs> Yeah, no, I know. Uh, money is the uh, is a pretty important driving force, and you know these guys got some uh, Coinbase accounts to open up. Like I understand the the urgency that it's going to take, but like I don't think that people should be worried about the demise of Ohio State football because they're not on the same course right now with NIL. Because I do think that it's all going to map out. And I don't know if that's just a naive yeah. thing to say. Like things work out, they work out. It's going to work out. It's putting a little bit of faith in the NCAA to get the hell out of its own way. but Well, the um, NCAA's probably best interest is to make sure that they save some of their premier programs from going to the wayside as a result of slow legislation. Yeah. Because you can't so put a clock on the way that you know federal and, and local governments are going to pass bills, but you can pass a rule really quickly. You can pass a rule where you could also sue these five states to try to slow them down, which knowing the NCAA wouldn't surprise me if that's the route they decided to take instead of changing their own rules to allow it costs more money to do that than it would be just to pay the guys. But you know, yeah, yeah, 
They got they got a line around or not paying the players, so when yeah. they use it for something. Uh, question from Coop Ledford on Twitter: Which member of the Ohio State coaching staff is most likely to be a spy? I don't even know what that means. <laughs> like a spy for who? Like Michigan? Just no, no, just like undercover. Just like who's who's living who's 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 living that double life as a, as a football coach during the week and you know an inter, international man of mystery on the weekends. Kerry Combs. Yeah, I thought Matt Barnes because it's a very generic name and nobody knows anything about him. He's very unassuming. He's low profile. But that would be too obvious. So then I went the opposite direction with it, and it'd be Greg Stoudrawa, the guy with the weird name and the very loud voice who like sticks out in a room like this. So that's my guy. Kerry Combs is so enthusiastic about his modern job that people can't imagine that he might have other interests. Yeah, which how could he possibly a have a passion for anything else? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, there you go. Top three candidates, Matt Barnes, Greg Stoudrawa, and, uh, and Kerry Combs. Could be Ryan Day. He's got like a pretty generic look about him. He's from that weird state up northeast, too. Very yeah. easy entry into America from there. That's right, yeah. Maybe, he, yeah, close to Canada. Maybe he's a, an American uh, spy. He's Ryan Day during the week and, like, Billy Knight. Yeah. <laughs> On the special, weekend. Special Agent Billy Knight, yeah. Okay. <laughs> As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code The Athletic. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. This question was from Daniel Brody. Brody. Uh, email. Yeah, Brody. Brody <clears throat> says every year it seems there are a few players who dominate early and then go on the star uh, guys remembers in the past. He says Jackson Smith and Jigba, but I'm not really sure where that came from. Uh, Chase Young, the Boses, J.K. Dobbins. Uh, this year it seems like everyone says those two guys are Trevion Henderson and Marvin Harrison Jr. So his question is, is he right to get his hopes up that those two are going to be the next future All-Americans through the doors who come in and immediately show why they're big-time talents? Or have there been guys who I'm conveniently forgetting in the past five to ten years, who were named the guys, quote, the guys early in camp who ended up having average or worse careers. Dontre Wilson. I wonder, but like Dontre was pretty good as a freshman, right? And then it kind of got hurt. Yeah. Yeah. I the guy one guy I thought of was Austin Mack in 2016 because he lost Austin his Mack, black stripe yeah. as a freshman that spring and 
everyone was talking about like, oh, he's he's the most polished receiver we've brought it out of high school like since urban has been here and i think that was true and he had some injury stuff too and he was a fine player but he never really exploded i don't think it ever quite matched what we were saying about right. him when he signed um but he's in the i think that i think that he's on the right track though i think that when players flash early you know and i take more into account on what i see than what i hear because mm-hmm. uh, coaches say nice things about everybody all the time because what are they going to say this guy blows like they're not going to say anything like that so like to me like Marvin Harrison was open the entire time of the spring game. And, like, I think you could see the manifestation of his talents uh, with your eyes. So, like, that wouldn't be a surprise to me. Um, but also there's other other things that you have to take into account when it comes to these guys, too. It's like, where are they on the depth chart? How deep is their position group? How much do they need them in the, in the immediate future? And, like, for Marvin Harrison, I think that's far less likely than it would be for uh, Trey Henderson, who, like, is probably, in my opinion, going to be the starting running back this year. So yeah, at some point at least, like I, I think that at some point both of these guys are going to be really, really good. Um, I think that Henderson has a better opportunity of doing it now than Harrison does. Yeah, I, I would pump the brakes just a little bit with Harrison just because of circumstance, um, but I do think he's going to be very good. I think it's going to end up being that you know we'll we'll look back at his recruiting ranking when he's done here and wonder why he wasn't ranked higher, especially given his bloodlines. Um, but he's just he's a little blocked right now. I think he'll get on the field, but I, I'm not sure how much he's going to impact things this year. But I think Trey Henderson does. I think Jack Sawyer impacts things a lot this year. Um, and I think they live up to the billing. It's I don't know. I feel like the list, and maybe it could be worth going back and looking, like the list of five-star guys who showed up here and just like didn't do much I think is pretty short. Curtis Grant. Yeah, but even he, by the end of his career, like was a starter was on the national important. championship team. And he had a big play in a playoff game. So like, Yeah. Yeah, no, I know. Justin Hilliard. I yeah, mean, but that's injury-related. Injury stuff, yeah, yeah. I think for the most part, Ohio State when they get when they get these guys, they hit. Uh, Baron Browning. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's definitely happened. Like Browning I took I, a while. Who's the last yeah. five star player that they signed that did nothing? Tyreek Johnson, who just transferred. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and then also Trayvon Grimes, but he transferred and he transferred now is in the well. NFL with your yeah, birds. With the birds. Yeah. Birds, Birds fans are a excited about Trayvon Grimes. I think they might have got a steal there as an undrafted free agent. Was it a surprise that he didn't get drafted? Because like I lost track of it, and I was like, wow, he didn't get drafted? I was a little surprised by that, too. I, I admittedly did not pay much attention to him at Florida after he left, but like I went back and looked at his stats, and it seemed pretty good. And I don't know. I remember hearing his name a time or two. Um, so I think our uh, Florida writer, Alan Taylor, asked, reached out to me because he was answering a mailbag question about why Trayvon Grimes was undrafted. So I think there were some people in Florida who were undrafted or surprised that he did go undrafted. Right. Uh, question uh, from Trent, who sent in an email. And he also sent in a very nice note about the podcast and, and uh, how much listening to uh, four to six day and be over last year kind of helped him get through. It was a shitty year for a lot of us. So I appreciate that. Uh, his question was, uh, should Ohio State fans be worried that Alabama is now getting high-profile transfers in comparison to Ohio State? Trent. Here's what your question should have been. Should OSU fans be worried that Bama, period? <laughs> I've, I mean, it is a sucker punch to to your your gut, I guess, if you're an Ohio State fan where you're like, you're about to get a star linebacker in a position that lacks depth. He's going to be an instant starter, and it's going to be a major piece in a national championship run, and then it's like, oh, shit, no, he's going to Bama. It's just yeah. like, I don't know. Like, I don't know what to say. Like, yeah. I think you should be kind of worried about it. I think Alabama is the best at everything, and Ohio State, uh, like Michigan, is to Ohio State. Ohio State, in turn, is compared to Alabama and the teams that are are its peers, and Alabama is a better all-around program than them right now. And, like, you need 
to get wins like this in the recruiting realm in order to uh, to do that. And even though transfers are transfers, they're also being recruited, and Ohio State lost the battle to Bama. And, you know, maybe it's kind of like what we talked about earlier in the podcast. He was just more familiar with Alabama, you know, through, from his recruitment and those things. But, you know, that's one really good starter on Alabama now that Ohio State doesn't have on their team, and they're probably going to play again. So, you right. know, I, I don't know, like, if it's a long-term trend of, like, does Alabama getting, you know, this transfer make you feel like Alabama is better set for the future? I would, I think this is an isolated incident. I don't know that I would do that, but like I would pay attention if I were an Ohio state fan to everything that Alabama is doing and be like, Oh no. Yeah. I think it's right to be like worried, bothered, angry, whatever about it. I get annoyed. I I get it. Yeah. I totally, I totally get it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think there was a lot of optimism for Henry Toa Toa and like Jamison Williams going there. I don't think is super detrimental to Ohio State, but you also don't want to be like on the field in the playoff or the national championship, and then Jamison Williams is running by your corner for a sixty-yard bomb. You know what I mean? Like you would prefer that not happen. So uh, yeah, worried I think is is fair. Um, concerned I think would be a right. Concerned. Word. I don't know that like I would like bite my nails over it, but like it's just yeah. What's bothersome or, or, or annoying about it I think is like I don't again like Henry Toto is the kind of player you make room for kind of no matter what. I don't really think Ohio- Alabama needed him. Um, you take him because he's good and he could be awesome and maybe he's a one and done and goes gets drafted but like Ohio State like certainly had a better a, a more appealing roster situation to Henry Toa Toa than Alabama did and Alabama still got him Saban man Saban man <laughs> that's the name of our podcast Saban man <laughs> Saban man uh, from Camasaurus Rex on Twitter yes where do things stand with JT Tui Malowal. I thought his name would be everywhere now that the dead period is officially up, but haven't heard much of anything. Did anybody follow his recruitment when things were normal and like they hadn't signed yet? Because you don't hear anything about this guy ever, no matter what. I think he only talks to one reporter at 247, and like it's very Brandon Huffman. far between. Yeah. Brandon Huffman, yeah. very nice guy. Um, good on him to, to, to build that relationship. But like I think it's just like if you're worried about uh, Tui Malau right now, I think it's kind of just like wake me up at the end of June when he's taking visits, and then we'll talk about it. Yeah. Because I think, I think like nothing's changing right now. No, and he's the, what's going on with high school sports in Washington is weird. Like his high school football season ended, I think, like two or three weeks ago, and now he's in the high school basketball season, and he's in that until June. So uh, like I already said, like, Brent, like I don't know, Brandon Huffman is the only person JT talks to, JT and his family talk to. So um, if you're if you're that invested in it, I would highly advise you to read what Brandon writes about it because he's the most informed person on the planet other than the people in JT's family. Um, but he's going to take five official visits in June and then enroll after that. Um, and I don't even know if he'll announce when and where he's going. So it's like Ohio State, Alabama, um, Oregon, Washington, and there's a fifth that I'm forgetting. Uh, that are in the mix. I think they'll all get official visits, and then he'll make a decision after that. He's not signing a national letter of intent because he doesn't have to. He'll sign a con- he'll sign a scholarship papers, binding the school to give him one when he decides to go there. Go there, but uh, yeah, I th- we're not going to know. I think until like maybe like July first. And like <laughs> I know that he had like crystal ball uh, indications to Ohio State for much of the past year. Like, I don't even know how much value I'd give those now. It's just kind of like he's going on these visits. He's going to get a feel for these places. He's going to see the campuses. He's going to figure out where he feels most comfortable and where he wants to be and then go from there. So it's kind of just like, yeah, it'll be a crazy month, but like, I don't know that there's any sort of like, here's where he's leaning right now because he's playing basketball and isn't visiting anywhere. And the reason why he didn't sign to begin with is because he couldn't visit anywhere. If he had an idea of where he wanted to go, he would have gone there. Right. I do value 
all the crystal balls are for Ohio State, and Brandon Huffman's is one of them. So like that means something to me that he has one in there. But um, when did he put it in? Like in in July last year? Like I mean that, that like yeah, but he can change it too. He has the power to change it if he thinks yeah. like, like you can, can't they change it like foggy or something like that if they think it's whatever. I, I agree with you. You don't put too much into it, but um, especially in this case. But I don't think anything's changed. Like I think Ohio State has been well positioned this entire time. I don't think any of that's changed. It's just a matter of now, like who can close the deal when when JT starts getting on campus. But it's not going to happen until next month. So sit tight until July, my man. Camasaurus Rex. Okay, there's uh there's two more questions left. Ready? You were dreading this one. This is from Party McFly eighty eight on Twitter. If you could put together your ultimate fast food combination, what would it be? His would be a spicy chicken sandwich from Wendy's, Five Guys fries, cookout hush puppies, and a Chips Ahoy Blizzard from Dairy Queen. So we'll do a four-item ultimate fast food combo. Any four items you want. I don't care what they are. What do you got? Can you go first? I'm not ready for this. Okay. A Culver's Bacon Deluxe double burger with bacon. Culver's has the best burger in fast food for my money. Uh, Side, and this is very specific... I want fresh, out out of the fryer, on point McDonald's French fries, with barbecue sauce from the dip them in. I want Chick Fil A nuggets with Chick Fil A sauce, and then I want a peach cobbler milkshake from Cookout. So do I have to have a milkshake? I'm not no, a milkshake. You you're, not, you're not a dessert guy. We're not gonna we're not gonna put that on you. Okay, I want the In and Out double double double. Yeah. No tomato, extra cheese. Mm-hmm. Fresh one. They're always fresh. That's why I like In N Out. A filet o fish sandwich. Of course. Um a chicken nugget from McDonald's. Because I love their chicken nuggets, and I know that's not a popular opinion. And I like love Chick-fil-A's nuggets too, but I like the batter that the nuggets at McDonald's are in. Personal preference, don't get angry. And Rally's <laughs> French fries. I considered a rally fry. I did consider that. Where where do where do fresh on point McDonald's fries rank for you in the high? Really really high. Yeah, but there's just so. I mean, listen, man, they're all good. Like it's like yeah. this was impossible because it's like there's a lot of like the Wendy's spicy chicken sandwich is absolutely amazing, mm-hmm. but like I would be a complete fraud to humanity if the filet fish wasn't included in mine. Fish and like I'm a big fan of the land, air, and sea meal. You know, if you go to McDonald's, you get the the filet fish, a single cheeseburger, a six piece nugget, and a fry. Like you're ready to go. Air, land. I like variety. Yeah. Um. And, like, the thing, too, that, like, if I had to have a drink, there's nothing better on the face of the earth than a regular Coke from McDonald's because of whatever right. heroin they put into it. When like, there's some <laughs> – Google it. There's some ingredient that they put into their fountain drinks to make it more addicting. The original Coca-Cola had cocaine in it, and I think oh, uh, McDonald's still does that. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't know what it is, but it tastes better than any, any soft drink on the face of the earth. But if we're just doing food items, like, you have to have fries in there. It's not fast food. You know, yeah. I had to have the filet fish sandwich because I absolutely love it. I think the best burger in fast food is In-N-Out, even though I think Culver's, because Culver's is, more, is expensive. It is. So, like, when you say for my money, it's just like you could get two double-doubles for the amount, I think, that a that a Culver's cheeseburger is. Because I think Culver's is the most underrated fast food chain in the world, and I love it very much. But I think In-N-Out just doesn't miss. On the burger, I, I think I agree with that. Yeah. On the burger, I don't like. I think their fries are terrible. That's not a. That's not a hot take. I think a lot of people think that. Yeah. What was the hardest? So you had to pick four. What was what was five for you? What was the hardest one to keep off? Spicy chicken sandwich from Wendy's. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. I think Wendy's has the best spicy chicken sandwich. I think it's I think better it than. Too. I think it's better than the one from Chick Fil A. I think it's better than the one from Chick Fil A. Um, 
The one from Popeyes is pretty good. Oh, that but. one was really good too. But like, I also felt like complete shit when I was done with it. Yeah, it too. like ruined my day. Like I was just like that was delicious, and then like I laid for like it just two like hours. Sits in your stomach like a brick. Yeah, for, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know who has a sneaky good uh, spicy chicken sandwich? Is Whataburger. Never had. I've only ever had like the standard burger. Where I don't even know what it is at, at Whataburger. Um, it's called Whataburger. It's called the Whataburger. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's all I've had from. I do enjoy Whataburger though. Whataburger's good. Yeah, yeah. You live like around the corner from one though. Uh, like less than a mile from one. Yeah, yeah that's great. That's called uh, location, location, location. Yeah, I know. We, we thought like I was, when we bought the house, we were like, "What? We need to find a place that's in a appreciating neighborhood." And then we found one that was close to Whataburger, so we should yeah. be in a good spot. I appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, last question is uh, from a friend of the podcast, Mitchell Light. He asks, "Why is Ari so handsome?" Thank you. I think that's our editor. Um, and he's like, oh, he's like, went out to lunch with Bill and, you know, he's like always giving Bill extra attention. And I got a little jealous. So he probably tossed that in there to be like, hey, man. First, I was jealous for two reasons. One, he was showing you more attention, even though he used to edit both of our stories. And two, it's like he's stealing my best friend from me. So, like, what, yeah. come on, back off, man. And now he's coming in here with that. He's even, we enjoyed a nice, uh, nice barbecue meal on my way down to New Orleans for the Sugar Bowl. So he's a good guy, Mitch Light. Yeah, great. The reason our stories are legible. All right, that'll wrap up this episode of Four to Six with AMB. Thank you all for sending in all those questions again. Four to Six AB at Gmail dot com is where you can drop questions. Um, send them in whenever. We'll save them up for a future episode. Subscribe to the Athletic, theAthletic dot com slash four dash six. Get you signed up with a discount. I believe right now too, you can sign up through some stories and get in for a dollar a month. If you've been thinking about it, I have a story that went up on Wednesday about Jackson Smith and Jigba. It's like kind of an oral history about his absurd high school career. And I talked to uh, two of his coaches in high school, two of his quarterbacks from high school, a couple coaches that coached against him in high school. Um, I thought it was entertaining and you can go read it. If you go find that uh, link on my Twitter account or on the athletic sign up for a dollar a month or theathletic.com slash 4-6. I'll get you in the door. So thanks for listening. Uh, again, uh, a little slow right now. Recruiting's going to ramp up uh, next month for Ohio State. And media days are not that far away. It's going to fly, fly by pretty quickly. So we'll keep on, on top of that. And thanks again to you guys for listening. Mm-hmm.